Alright, how are we doing? Good, good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Philemon uh, chapter 1 this morning. Philemon chapter 1. Uh, as you're turning there, I just want to kind of make you aware uh, of a couple things real fast. This coming Saturday, March 18th, this Saturday, March 18th, uh, 8 a.m., time of prayer, and then we're going to uh, do a serve Saturday here on campus. So the game plan in the heart is to kind of do a little, little spring cleaning. Uh, we got some mulch coming in, things like that, kind of get the... Uh, I'm from West Virginia, so I say get the place gussied up a bit, you know. Um, so we're going to gussy the place up, gonna some things, uh, things like that. Would love, 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 love uh, for you to be a part of that, um, and just just some housekeeping, you know. We get to take care of the place and and put some uh, put some love back into to the building. And so, uh, but this we're going to feed you, so you don't have to worry about that. Start at a.m. breakfast, um, and if you could just do us a favor and just sign up in the lobby, just so we can get a head count, so we can make sure we have enough breakfast and and things like that uh, there. So. Uh, and then also Easter week, just want to, I know we've got a lot, it's, it's vastly approaching. And so Easter week, um, the Thursday of, I know it's spring break, so people are going to be everywhere, but um, we're going to be here Monday, Thursday, that Thursday, uh, the 6th, and we're going to have a service, just a time of worship, uh, a time of looking at and preparing our heart for uh, Resurrection Sunday. Um, and then uh, that Saturday, it's Saturday, April the 8th, um, from 4 to 8 p.m., uh, the sign doesn't reflect this just because I was 1G short to be able to put fling ding. You know what I'm saying? So it just, I think out there it just says like our spring fling. Um, and so it's going to be a time uh, where we'll have vendors, we'll have trucks, we'll have bounce houses. Um, we're combining this with our children's event um, that we usually do uh, the Sunday before or the Saturday before uh, Easter. Uh, and so we'll have a petting zoo, we'll have uh, uh, the big ball drop. We'll have all kinds, well, not big, there's not a big ball. There's a lot of little balls that will be dropped. Um, so, uh, the fire department's coming for that to be a part of, to drop. It, it'll just be a great time, fun time. Uh, we'll have some music and different things like that going on as well. And so, uh, just excited to use the opportunity to, to reach our community, to uh, just love on our community, have a chance to uh, just say, hey, got, got, a, got an opportunity just to serve our community that way. Maybe even use it as an invite to try to get people to, uh, to come Sunday morning and, and, and worship. So, um, those are just a few things we got coming up. Like I said, the bulletin's got, got more stuff in there. Just be sure and kind of take note of and, and look at. And so uh, I want to give you a little bit of background on the book of uh, Philemon, which is actually a letter. Uh, just a quick survey. Um, any Philemon experts in here this morning? Okay, good. good. Me, me either. Uh, as I said earlier, 20, over, a little over 20 years of ministry. And, and I went back and looked through my notes. And I don't, I don't have any sermons in Philemon. Um, don't worry. That will change today. Um, as I plan on doing the whole letter, which is only 25 verses, so um, I know that would like cause angst in, within you. Um, don't worry about that. We'll get through. And yes, I did shoot the clock forward, so no, it's not 9.43 right now, so I don't think that I've got like an hour and a half with you before I have to let you out. So, um, so we'll be, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll trek through this and see what God's got for us, because I, I believe he's going to do something amazing this morning in the hearts of his people. I, I believe that he's going to work and do I don't know about you, but just things that have been happening this morning and kind of the offness of some stuff. And I just, I just believe the enemy wants to, to derail some things. And so um, let's just press in and see what God's got for us. But, but to set the, this letter uh, here in the book, in Scripture, uh, the book of Philemon, a little bit of background. You've got Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to Philemon, and he's actually writing to him while he is in prison. And so this is the shortest letters. Like I said, 25 verses is, is all we have here recorded. Um, and it's this personal letter to uh, Philemon, who, who is in Colossae. And so uh, it's every farewell address given in the book of Colossae. 
in chapter 4, verse 9, um, where Onesimus goes with Thyatiris, um, uh, the letter who's taking this letter to Philemon, and you've got Onesimus who uh, goes with him, and we'll get to Onesimus here in a little bit. Um, and so the, the letter's opening was like the majority of Paul's letters. It, it, it kind of flows uh, with usual conversation and has a greeting uh, and of thanksgiving, and it talks about how he's, he's praying for. And so you've got um, Philemon, you've got Aphira, uh, you've got Acripius, you've got uh, all the members here of Philemon's house church that are named as secondary recipients of this letter. First and foremost, uh, to, to Philemon, and then the others as it kind of flows out as part of, of the body and the church here. And so uh, Philemon being the primary recipient, as Paul uh, is going to put before him, some just, just great news, so some, some great, great news. He's going to pray for him, give him some great news. Uh, he's going to challenge him in a big, big way, uh, especially as it pertains to forgiveness and, and, and receiving. And so uh, this morning, what we're going to look at as we kind of navigate through, uh, through this letter is, is we're going to look at this. We're going to look at prayer. You're going to see in, in the scriptures this morning uh, uh, the need of prayer and, and what prayer is, and you're going to see just Paul's heart as, as he pours out his heart before God. So prayer is going to uh, run throughout this letter, as you see. There's going to be a request. So he's going to request and ask Philemon to, to act upon love and not just duty or not just because or not just uh, I've got to, but, but out of love and a greater understanding of something deeper at work. We're going to see the heart of discipleship in this letter. It's going to be made evident useless to useful. You're going to see that kind of played out and what happens there. We're going to see this thought of a divine appointment, meaning, simply meaning that nothing just happens out of happenstance or out of chance. That God is working and doing in everything, even in the unseen, things that we're not aware of, things that doesn't seem to make sense. So anyway, so divine appointment, God working and doing. And then what we're going to see here at the end of this letter is a Christ-like commitment to, to really press into your relationship to Jesus. And as a result of that, to live out and follow in glad obedience what Christ has called us to by way of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into Philemon. Father, we love you. We need you, God. I don't, I don't know what you're doing and, and why you're allowing things to happen like they're happening. But God, I just pray in this moment that I'll just, I'll just slow down. God, I'll just be present in the moment and obedient to what you have to say. Um, and Father, I just, I just want to ask that you would move and make your presence known. Father God, we, we, we have celebrated like crazy this morning the reality of who you are and what you've done. God, from baptism to pouring out our heart in song, and so, Father, now as we approach your word, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to work and move. God, God I, I'm believing that you're going to do some mighty things in this place this morning. And God, I'm not even talking about like weird types. I'm, I'm just talking about just the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, to draw hearts to you in greater devotion and love and obedience. And, and Father, as I pray weekly, God, that if there be one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, that this morning, in the midst of all of this, God, that you would show up and that you would show out and that you would just awaken in the heart the reality of their need for you. So God, if there be a heart like that here this morning, I pray that you would start to soften and start to work and start to woo and start to draw and start to show them through your word how good and faithful and great you truly are. Jesus, may we hear from you this morning in this place. It's all about you. All about you. Nothing that I have to say is of any use or any good if it's not you. So God, work and move like only you can in this place this morning. It's for your glory. It's for your great name. Amen. So what we're going to see, first of all, right here in the Scripture, right out of the gate, in verse 4, you've got um, Paul is committed to praying for the people in his life. You, you see that played out right here in verse 4. He says this, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. And so what we see throughout the, the writings of Paul is that that's normally how he starts off. 
he is in the habit of praying for the people in his life. He is in the habit of going before the throne and, 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 and crying out on their behalf those people that he have come, he's come in contact with, those people that he has uh, discipled, that he has uh, shared the gospel with, those people that he has left as, uh, a house, as in house churches or as pastors over different areas. You, you, you see that as he, as he pins letters to, to those that he loves and uh, that God has inspired him to write to. You, you see this kind of greeting that happens. This is the normal fashion for him, letting them know that he cares for them so much so that he's going to go before God on their behalf. And so I just want to press us this morning, church. I just want to say this, that there is no greater encouragement, that there is no greater spiritual warfare than to know someone is praying for you. No greater encouragement, no greater spiritual warfare. You want to get involved in the game of, of, of Christianity. It's not a game, but in a, in a life of being obedient and following Christ. You want to get involved and be active. You begin to pray. You begin to fall on your face before God, and you begin to cry out to God on behalf of other people, on behalf of, of, of issues, on behalf of, of things that is happening. You, be, you fall on your face before God, and you begin to cry out. There is no greater encouragement or, or wartime act uh, spiritually than this. I, I love what John Piper says. He says this. He says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom for ringing up the butler to change the thermostat. I, I love that. I mean, what a perspective on prayer. I, I know probably for the most, it's, it's this thought of, okay, well, before our food or before we go to bed or, or when we first get up, we'll just kind of like throw up a little thing here and we're kind of going about our day. And if we find out something about something, then maybe we'll kind of enter into for just a second or, and hear me, like I'm all for the drive-by praying. You know what I'm saying? I'm all for kind of in that moment as you're going and it's kind of brought to your mind, brought to your heart that you, you cry out before the throne. Uh, but I love the mentality of it here. Uh, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom for getting the butler to go do whatever you need. God is not our butler. It doesn't work like that. That's not his heart. That's not who he is. Prayer is not for me just to take the God and say, God, I need you to do this, this, and this. See you later. Okay, I'm done. No, no. Prayer is to engage in the battle, church. This is where the battle's won, is on our knees, on our face, before the throne. This is it. And that's what he is saying. He says, it's a wartime walkie-talkie to call in firepower because the enemy is greater than we are. It's understanding that we are weak and insignificant and we can't unless God steps in and does. And so it's us calling in that fire attack. He says, if you turn to this into a domestic intercom to bring another pillow, it malfunctions and you wonder why. He says, it's not made to be an intercom. It's made to be a wartime walkie-talkie. That's what prayer is. Have you ever thought of prayer that way? Have you ever pressed in that way? I, I just want us to get some perspective this morning on prayer. I want us, I want us to try to get a, a deeper understanding and a picture of what prayer is. Church, this is what prayer is. The creator of the universe. It's us going before the throne. It's us being welcomed in to come in and to make our pleas known, to make our heart known, to, to, to lay bare before him what he's put on our heart, the things that we see. That we get to go before the creator of the universe, the God of the universe, who is aware, hear this, who is aware of every atom and molecule that's ever been created. The, the smallest of the smalls he is aware of and is not misplaced or lost track of. And he invites us, his creation, in to, to, to go before the throne. Invites us in to, to make our pleas known. The, the creator of the universe who speaks, and where there's nothing, now there's something. Who speaks and says, let there be light. And you know what? There's light now. The light doesn't argue with him. The light doesn't say, well, I'm going to take a couple of days off. No, no, no. The light shines because he tells it to. 
It doesn't argue. It doesn't uh, go against. It doesn't fight uh, against. It listens and obeys. That's who we've been beckoned into to come before. He, he speaks and all creation stands in attention and ready to respond. No fight, nothing. And so for us as his people, we've been invited in to come before the throne with boldness, he says, to make our request, to make our pleas, to make our cries, to make our desperation before him known. This is the one who has beckoned us in. Like, like, like every Sunday, it never fails for me. Every Sunday between 8, uh, 8 and 8.30, I get a text from, from a family member who says, just praying for you this morning. Who says, man, I'm, just, I'm praying that, that God would use you as a mouthpiece for his glory, that would, that would use you, that would give you words. I'm praying that God would, would, would shape and mold the heart of your people, that God would soften the heart of your people, that God would do, do a work there as you proclaim the gospel, that they would, they would hear and that they would be saved, or that they would hear and they would walk in glad obedience, that, that God would, would, would give you the focus. Amen, right? The perseverance. I mean, I, I don't know what Sunday morning looks for you. I know a few, few weeks ago or somewhere the statement was made either at, a, at something we had going on here or something, but, but how Sunday, all hell breaks loose on Sunday morning, doesn't it? I mean, for whatever reason, because the enemy knows where we're going and what we're about to engage in, and he doesn't want this. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want you to come and actually be engaged. He wants you to be worried about what your dang spouse did on the way here or how crazy your kids are. Or what happened this weekend? Or what's coming up Monday? He, he doesn't want you to be focused. He doesn't want you to be paying attention. He doesn't want you to be listening. He doesn't want you to, to let the word of God shape and mold you and open up your heart to the realities of who Christ is. And hear me, it's no different for the guy that stands on the stage every Sunday and gets to proclaim the truth to you. I mean, it's no different. Do you know how crazy it is before I get up here and get to proclaim the word of God? But to know that I've got someone in my corner saying, you know, I'm praying right now for you. That, that, that God would, would calm your heart, that God would calm your spirit, that he would help you focus, that he would give you the words to say. I mean, they have went before the th wartime walkie-talkie type stuff. I mean, there's a battle going on that we can't even see right now, a spiritual battle that is being fought right now in this moment. And to know that I've got someone in my corner praying for me, what that does for me. Church, what that should do for us. Hear me, there's a lot of things that we can do for each other as believers, but I believe Praying for a fellow brother or sister is one of the greatest acts of our faith. One of the greatest acts of wartime, uh, uh, warfare assault. And so when we pray, God is aware. He hears. He knows. He responds in a way for his glory and for our good. Uh, no one can be and do for us like God can. No one. And so we've been invited in. Paul knows that. He walks it out. He lets them know. He, he reminds the recipient of this letter that that's what he's doing on their behalf for them. And he goes on in verse 5, and he says this. He says, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward uh, the, the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. He, he says, I, I hear what you're doing. I hear the way you love and care for the saints. I hear the way that you live out. I hear, I hear what God's doing because of your faith in, in, in you. I hear that. I'm praying for you. He says in verse 6, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So what we have here is Paul praying for Philemon and those addressed in this letter here in the house church that they would accomplish all that can be accomplished by the sharing of their faith, living out their faith. That the world would see that, that the world would take notice, that God would use that to draw man to himself. And so he's praying that, that, that the gospel with the work of the Holy Spirit would resonate in the heart of fallen man and it would, would call them to God. That's what he's saying, by them living out their faith. By them walking in obedience. I mean, he, he, is, he is stoked and excited that it would be effective. That it would accomplish all that God has set out for it to accomplish. 
See, I believe that's why it's so important for us as the church to be active in sharing our faith and sharing the gospel. That's why for us here in 2023, one of the things that we've laid before you is that we want to share the gospel with at least a thousand people this year. Because it's the gospel that awakens the heart to the reality of their need to Jesus. That that reveals to them who they are in comparison to who God is. Relationally. And so we just want to be obedient in taking the gospel to the world. To our neighbors, to our friends, to to our community, to to the outer reaches of of everywhere. And so for us as a church, we've laid before you and said, hey, we, we... We want to go 1,000 people this year, which as I was out there this morning looking at the board, counting, we're we're around 160. It's going to take about 85 people a month for us to reach our 1,000-person goal. And we're three months in at 160. See, at the end of this month, we should be a little over 260, 270. So we're right on par. We need to keep pressing in. We need to keep telling. We need to keep sharing. We need to keep making His glory known, telling of what we know to be true about Him, of the glorious news of the cross. That's why we're having this thing out front. That's one of the reasons why we're having the the Easter, fall, fling, ding, wing, whatever it is. We're creating an environment where our hope is that, that our community will come to us. And we'll get to serve them, we'll get to love them, we'll get to have conversation, we'll get to know them, we'll get to invite them. Maybe even uh, in that uh, getting to meet and talk and see, we'll be able to share the gospel with somebody. We'll be able to get to tell them about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in our life. I mean, that's our hope. We want to create environments and places and opportunities for us to be able to share and do and serve and show the love of Christ to our community. And so he goes on in verse 7, he says, For I, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So, so what Paul's saying, and I, I just love this here. What Paul's saying is that he's been encouraged by Philemon. And, and the reason why he's been encouraged by Philemon, because all that God has done through him, especially as it pertains to the believers being encouraged. Especially as it pertains to him encouraging and, 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 and helping believers see and, and, and grow in their relationship with Christ. And so much so that the Apostle Paul uses this word refresh. That's refreshing to him. That's like a cold drink on a hot summer day for his soul. And and as I read that, as I thought about that, I mean, mean, how amazing is that? That because of a believer loving and caring for other believers, man, this man is refreshed. Bah. I I just want to, I want to help you drink in for a moment this morning. I want to kind of make you aware of of some refreshing moments here uh, at New Life that I've got to experience over the last two days and three or four so, so weeks. So we, we have the parenting class going on. As we have the parenting class going on, I, I approached uh, one of our life groups that meets here on um, Sunday morning. I said, hey, I said, we've uh, got a parenting class going on. Um, some of the, the child care and, and stuff that takes place on Wednesday nights is done by, by parents. And uh, I said, I need some help. And they're like, uh, Scott, what does that mean? To which I continue on in and say, I'm just looking for child care for five weeks come alongside and love on kids and care for kids and um, and just just share the love of Jesus with kids while we can try to get some parents uh, in this room to be able to learn and grow about what it means to to be a godly parent, kind of understand some things about their kids, things like that. And do you know what their response was? I'm on it. I'm going to do it. I said, said, do what? She said, I'm going to do it. I said, now you know my kids will be back there. She's like, I'll do it. And so she gets six to eight adults 
are at a different phase of their life. And they, for the last three weeks, have come and watched rambunctious, rowdy, crazy, wide-open kids and have loved them like Christ loves them so that parents can be free and available to, to hear about. And that's refreshing to know that we have a group of people here who care for, for parents, for not just your kids. Yeah, we talk about your kids all the time because we love your kids. But, but the fact that, that, that we've got people that don't just love, love your kids, but they love like, people with kids. I've got three of my own, and what that, that's freed me up to be able to do some things. That's freed my wife up to be able to do some things. That's freed parents in this room up to be able to be a part of so they can learn, so they can grow, so they can try to figure out some things. Or, or, or like this, Friday night. Friday night we had our, our, um, our discipleship weekend here at this place. It was a discipleship weekend, and, and last year we're, we're a different place a little bit because we don't have a student pastor right now. We're, we're looking, we're praying, we're asking God to just kind of help us as we navigate through those waters. And so uh, as we're praying, we, we have our discipleship weekend, which usually is uh, the, the student pastor's um, responsibility. And uh, so with that, kind of our, our student ministry now is a little different as we've got fifth graders uh, through 12th graders that is a part of this ministry. And so we don't have a guy that can kind of lead that or, or oversee that fully. And so we, we split it up. We didn't have the five, six go with, with it for the whole weekend and the lock-in things and all that crazy stuff. And so, um, so instead, we, we kind of split it up. We had something for the five, six. We have something for our, our students, seventh through 12th grade. And so Friday night, we had 19 fifth and sixth graders show up here to eat pizza and to go to the trampoline park. Mind you that the trampoline park was going to do that crazy night thing where they turn down all the lights and they have strobe lights everywhere and lasers and this and that, and it's just craziness going everywhere, so much so. And we had, I got roped into it, five, six, six adults go and chaperone and run around like crazy people. I, like, I rode this like weird roller coaster thing in this encapsule like four times with kids. I hate motion stuff like that. I mean, it was awfully awesome for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Oh. But, but there were adults that said, man, I'm, I'm going to give up my Friday night. And I'm going to go. And then, like, these are fifth and sixth. Like, I love y'all. Like, I know it sounds like I'm just, like, beating up. Y'all are awesome. I wish I had your energy and charisma. But, but they give up their week. That's refreshing, y'all. To know that there's people in this place who love and care for your kids that are going to give and, and this is the thing, like, whenever I set it up, I definitely wasn't thinking this will probably be my last time getting to do this, set up stuff, but, um, like, it was a three-hour happening at the trampoline park. Like, after 30 minutes, I'm done, you know what I'm saying? Like, 30 minutes of jumping, strenuous, I'm, but they did it for three hours. Refreshing. Refreshing is what that is. Not, not to mention, okay, so we have them going, and then we have, we have a, a lock-in. And, and what I have learned in my short time in student ministry, that a lock-in is usually never of the Lord. But it usually takes you a few to do it to figure that out. Um, and so for whatever reason, the kids love it. They want lock-ins. And so um, we had two leaders that were crazy enough to say, you know what, we'll do a lock-in with them. We'll, we'll go to the worship service on Friday night, then we'll come back here, and we'll lock-in with them. And I said, are you, like, you don't have to, yeah, we'll do it. And so they're hyped up, like not the kids, the leaders are hyped up on like Mountain Dew and donuts. And it's just, I mean, that's how they get through. And, and so I give them a little secret like that. And so, but we had a husband and wife team who said, I'm going to invest in these 10 students and I'm going to be there all weekend. And they'll kill me for doing it, but they're sitting back there in the back, Pete and Summer, and give up their whole weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to invest in students whereby one gives his life to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, one, one gets saved, God forever changes their heart. 
That's refreshing, church. That's, that's what Paul is driving home. That's what's refreshed him and encouraged him. And so he goes from praying for him, being re- encouraged, refreshed. I mean, that's what we should be like as the church. And then he goes into kind of the, the, the body and the heart of, of, his, of his letter here. The main reason why he writes Philemon. And so it's not just a casual letter. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hope you're doing good. Praying for you. Think, hope things are great. But, but, but Paul has a direction and a place that he's going. And so what we're going to see next is this, is that he's going to give him a request. And this request is going to be out of love. Look at verse 8. It says this, according uh, though I am uh, bold enough, according though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. He's saying, man, like, I have all authority to say, you just need to do this. Uh, by the authority uh, of the Holy Spirit and God in me and as a believer, uh, I, I, can, I can just tell you, you just need to do it. It's not something you need to pray about. It's not something you think about. You just, you just need to do this, but he doesn't do that. Look at what he says in verse 9. Yet, uh, uh, for, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. He said, I'm not appealing to you just out of obedience, just do what I say. He's like, but, but man, for, for love's sake, for, for the love uh, that, that God displayed for us, that showed for, because of that, that's what I'm going to appeal to you for. I upon old man and now a prisoner also for Christ. And so what he's doing is he's taking this approach to, to ask Philemon for, for this request. When you, uh, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to demand it on you. I'm not going to press it on you. I'm just going to ask you out of love. Not because I'm, I'm old enough or because of my social status or because of who I am in Christ or because of my leadership or being a mature believer. I'm, I'm not going to go that route. Instead, I'm going, to, I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of love. And that you would let love, especially the love of Christ, rule in your heart. And then what we're going to see is Paul, he's going to go there and he's going to bring up the subject of Onesimus in his letter. And this subject of Onesimus may be a, a touchy point for Philemon. And so now Philemon's finally going to figure out what in the world this letter is about, the heart of it. And he's going to see this request that Paul's going to make as he, as he pleads for love's sake to do this. And so the thing about Onesimus that you need to know is that he is a runaway slave who stole from Philemon. So, so he steals something from Philemon, and then he runs away, and in his running away, something amazing happens to him as it pertains to the Apostle Paul, which brings us to this next point of discipleship. So, so he takes something that's not his, and he flees, and he runs, which is, is a very dangerous thing for him to do. One, to be out there on the, on the run as a slave. Two, to, be, uh, uh, to, to go against your master that way. To, 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 to do that is, is a, um, uh, an act that is punishable by death. And then, then Paul kind of gets in the mix. And look at what happens as a result of him fleeing. Look, look at what takes place here. I appeal to you for my child. It's kind of weird. This Onesimus is his child. He says, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So, so what Paul does here is he uses this intimate language of a parent-child relationship to describe his feelings toward Onesimus. And so my question is, why in the world would we talk about him like that? This is a thief. This is a no good somebody that has done something wrong, who has fleed, and as a result of fleeing, now the Apostle Paul has, has come in contact with, and he's talking to him like he's his kid. Talking about him like he's his precious, precious child. Why is that? Church, the reason is because he shared the gospel with Onesimus. Onesimus gets saved. Onesimus' heart is, is bent because of the gospel toward Christ, and he's saved. And as he's saved, Paul gets to invest in him. See, that's the heart of discipleship. See, a discipleship is a follower of Christ. It's someone who's been born again. And so a, a part of the discipleship process for us is sharing the gospel. I mean, that's why I've challenged us to step into to share a thousand, the gospel with a thousand people. Because the heart and the hope is like what we've seen this morning, what we've celebrated this morning, is now as a result of God's saving, we get to step in and we get to be active. We get to do our part that God has called us to and we get to disciple and walk with. We get to say, man, let me tell you about my spiritual child. 
But let me tell you what's happening in his life as I get to walk with him, as I get to care for him, as I get to love, uh, love him, as I get to model and show and have conversation, as I get to uh, give opportunity to serve and, and give his life away, as I get to invest. That's what this is about. That's what the Apostle Paul does. And he's making an appeal to Philemon and say, you need to know something. The boy that left is not the same boy that's coming back. The, the, the guy that took off and did something wrong to you, wronged you, uh, and you have the, the rightful opportunity to do whatever you see fit so you would think, remember whose you are. Remember that love that he's shown and shared for you. Re- remember that. Don't forget that. That's what I'm going to appeal to you about. And I'm going to stand up for my boy here, my child, my, my spiritual, that I shared the gospel with and, and that God saved. And that's just the discipleship process being lived out. As we look at that, and as we read that, and as we see that, we, we know in the back of our mind and our heart, this is how it happens. We share the gospel, then we invest in, then we walk with, then we care for, then we, then we, we have community with. And then look here in verse 11, because what, what he's going to do now as a result, like I said, this is a different guy that's coming back, a different man that's coming back, and he's going he's to do a play on words here. Because see, Onesimus, Onesimus was useless before, but now he is useful. This is how he used to be as someone who wasn't in the family of God. And, and, and this, is what, this is what's the great news about the gospel. It changes absolutely everything about him. Absolutely everything about him. And I think the cool thing that we miss here that we don't see, that we don't know, is Onesimus names mean, it means useful in the original language. Uh, Onesimus means useful. So he has a name that he's not even living up to. He has a calling that he's not even living up to. He's not even, he's not even being, he's not even walking out, he's not even doing. And look at what he says, look at what he says here in, um, in verse 11. You go from useless to useful. Formerly, he was useless to you. He was of no good. He, he rebelled, he, he, he went against you, he stole from you, he did those things. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. This man is of great value, why? Because he's a new man. He's a different man. God's got a hold of his heart. He has changed him. Once a useless, rebellious slave, now Onesimus becomes a useful, uh, uh, thoughtful slave by the transforming grace of God. That's what happens to him. My man's on the run, and being on the run, he's caught. And he's not caught by the authorities that you think that he'd be caught by. He's caught by the one true living God, and he's confronted with the gospel. And as he's confronted with the gospel, God saves him and rescues him rescues him and forever changes his life. And church, what you need to hear and what you need to know is that's a picture of us. That's a picture of us. Slave to self, slave to sin, slave to rebellion, slave uh, uh, to, to selfishness. And for those of us in the room who know Jesus Christ as Lord, he confronted us in that and he, he come face to face with us and he's called us out. You're useless, now you're useful. Because when God gets a hold of it changes absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. And so that's what I love. It's a, it's a picture of us. It's our story. We was or we are useless. Maybe even here this morning in this place, that, that, that's your testimony right now in this very moment. But, but I'm here to tell you that you have not come here by accident. That, that, that you didn't just show up here. I mean, it's, it's, it's time change Sunday, for goodness sakes. And it was raining. And you made it to a 10 o'clock service. Some churches are just now getting started. But you came here, whether it was for a crazy baptism, whether it was for, I just happened to be up. I I don't, or a crazy neighbor invited you or somebody that shared the, I don't know, I don't know how or why, but what I do know is this, is that this is not a missed opportunity by God. It's not a missed opportunity for you. 
And so what we see here in the story is this. Before Christ, you've got Onesimus, useless, rebellious, runaway. That's what you have, which is our story, deserving of punishment for sin. Scared of returning home to the master. There's shame, there's worthless, feels unloved, but in steps a substitute. For us this morning, we know that substitute is Jesus, one willing to take all the punishment that we deserve, that Onesimus deserves. Take, God takes on flesh and blood, and he goes to the cross, and he dies. He dies as a sacrifice, and he pays the penalty that we're due, and he wipes the slate clean for us. For those of us that are in Christ, we can have full acceptance. We can be made useful in the family of God as, his, as one of his children. And so, so then the story continues to go, and in verses 12 through 14, you see Paul here, he sends Onesimus back, and he says that he would love to have kept him. He's like, I would have loved to have had him and kept him, and he could have been useful and served me while I'm in prison, and uh, he could have been just a, an, an advocate for the gospel, but, but he wanted to do the right thing in hopes that Philemon would act on his own accord and act in a way that, that represents that of Christ and show mercy and grace. And so uh, that, that's what I love, that the gospel does the right thing and makes the right wrong. That's what the gospel does. That's, that's what believers are called to do. That's, that's, that's how we're to live our life, to, to do the right thing. Why? Because Christ is in us, and we do it out of love, and we, we're reminded of it. I mean, this is a huge, huge undertaking and asking that Paul's, putting, that Paul's putting on Philemon. Huge undertaking and asking. It's only got to be by way of the gospel. It's only got to be by way of, of, of love and commitment to Jesus. Which brings us to the, to the next little portion of this letter. In verse 15 here, we see a divine appointment. It says, for this purpose is why we have uh, parted uh, from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. And so maybe, just maybe the whole purpose of everything that happened was so that he could have uh, this holy and divine meeting with Paul and that the gospel could be shared. And as a result of the gospel being shared, Onesimus uh, would be eternally and forever changed. Just maybe that's what happened. What looks like to be horrific and awful ends up being a story of grace and mercy and divine appointment. I mean, that's what we celebrated this morning here at the beginning of the service. Little divine appointments of where the gospel has confronted in sin and rebellion. And where God is in that beckoning you, man, come on. I'm going to take you from useful, useless to useful. I want to change your purpose. I want to change your, uh, your, your calling. I want to change everything about you. And, and I want to adopt you in as a child of God. And, and so those holy and divine encounters where the gospel is proclaimed and hearts are forever changed, that's, that's what happens. That's what we see here. And so I just want to press. I don't know why. I just want to press here this morning for a second as we continue and, and get ready to close. As I don't believe that you're here by accident. And I don't believe that anybody's here by accident. I believe, usually in a crowd this size, that there's some here that don't know Jesus as Lord. They know about him, but don't know Jesus as Lord, have never fully surrendered in faith. And, and I believe that there's some here that, that, that are believers, but maybe just not walking obediently to, to, to read this story and to think, my gosh, I can't believe he would ask him to do that. To forgive on that capacity, on that level, which I would just graciously remind us, do you know what Christ has forgiven us for? Him stealing something and running off is nowhere near as horrific as probably the sin in our life this week. The thoughts in our life this week that don't match up and glorify God. The actions and responses in our life this week that don't align with the heart, nature, and character of God. 
And I know we're kind of in the habit, we're in church, and so it's really, really easy to get judgmental and be like, well, that sin's worse than this sin. At the end of the day, sin sends sin, sin, Jesus where? To the cross, right? And so you're not here by accident. And I've prayed this week, like I do every week, that God would do something big in the service and that he would save the lost and that he would draw those that are kind of on the, on the fringe or haven't fully went in for the Lord and surrendered it all to, to, to glad obedience. And so I just, I love these little divine appointments. Like, like I was sitting in our covenant class this morning, and, and I just, I, I love it how this couple that, that has come to be a part of this group, this class, and, and they just talk about how they, they've ended up here. Well, I, I, we just ended, ended up here. We knew some people. We end up, we show up here, and, and, and now, now they've, they've joined. And, and the conversation was, man, man, I don't know what's happening, but God's doing something. And like, like this past week, I, I talked about Jesus in this moment. And, and two weeks ago at, at lunch, I got to share a little bit about it. And I'm just like, man, divine appointment where God says, hey, I want you here in this moment at this time. And while you're here, I'm going to get your attention finally. And I just believe that that's what this morning is in this place. I just believe that all the craziness and stuff that's happening, I believe it's every Sunday, but I don't, I just believe that God's doing something in the heart of people here this morning, and he's trying to get your attention. And I'm just here to say, hey, he loves you, he cares for you, he wants you. He wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to quit being useless, which real, in all reality, you're not useless because you're going to bring him glory and honor regardless if you're his or not. But he wants you to be a part of the family and to be useful in a way that's going to honor him, in a way that will give even more glory and honor in this moment. He wants you. He desires you. And I know that because he dies on the cross for you. He goes to the cross for us. And, it's, and you're not here by accident. Like, like, dude, we didn't, 13 years. I'm not preaching to you. I'll look over this way. 13 years. You get back. We just happen to be doing a baptism. I happen to be preaching through a book that I've never preached through before that God used to shape a guy's heart. It's not an accident, church. It's not an accident. It's a divine appointment where God works and does and moves. And now he makes you aware of that. Now he's got you to the place where you can be aware of that. And I love this. Look in verse 16. He says, no longer he's a, a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. He's a beloved brother. He says, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? And so he's just expressing his heart here. Paul's pouring out his heart. He's like, hey, look, man, this, 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 this request is based on the reality of the gospel of Christ transforming the human heart. We come in, in contact, and I got to share the gospel, and sharing the gospel, God forever changes him. And so because of who Philemon is and because of who Onesimus is now, they are brothers in Christ, a part of the family of God. And so by embracing and forgiving Onesimus, Philemon can bear witness of the gospel's power to transform and reconcile. Man, what a picture of forgiveness, mercy, and grace in a day that he didn't have to, in a day that would not normally play out this way. And so then Paul takes it a step further, and look at what he says here in verse, verse 17. This is where we see this Christ-like commitment, verse 17. So, uh, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Look at this, church. Just get, get your heart and mind around this. Verse, verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, just charge it to my account. Can we get our heart and mind around that for a moment? Dang. Paul, Paul says, I, like, I know he's probably got a debt and he's probably got, uh, he owes you tremendously. Do this. Just put it on my account. I'll take care of it. I don't care how expensive. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it looks. I don't care. I, don't care. Just, just, I know he probably owes. Just, just charge it to my account. Put it on my tab for you. A believer king for another believer. I mean, doesn't our world need to see that love and commitment? 
Don't they need to see that Christ? But, but do you know who? I know exactly who I'm doing it for. I know. I know. Yeah, he, he's not, you're, you're right. He's not worthy and he doesn't deserve that. But you know what? Neither do I. I don't deserve the grace and mercy of Jesus. But, but for whatever reason, he's rescued me and he saved me. And I've got to put my sin on his account. And he's taken it and he's paid the debt that I can't, I'll never be able to pay. Never. And so Paul takes it on himself for this, what would look to be like useless, worthless, who ran off. And then look at, look at what Paul says. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. He's like, man, you, you, please, Philemon, get this. Man, get this. This is important. Get this. He says, I will repay it. He says, I'll, I'll pay it. I'm good for it. I'll do it. See, Paul gets and sees how important the gospel being lived out, this commitment to Christ and forgiveness. He, he sees that. He, he says, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you. And the Lord refreshed my heart in Christ. He said, I mean, do this. Do you know what this will do to me in the Lord? Oh, do you know what this will do to the church in the Lord? Do you know, you know what this will do for the church in the world? Showing of the goodness and grace of Christ. In verse 21, it says, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul says, man, because I know you're a believer, I'm a believer. I know what God's done in your heart. And as a result, I mean, I, I am confident. I have no doubt that you won't just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. But you as a believer, you'll go above and beyond. Church, I don't believe that we're called just to go to the limb and stop. I believe that we're called to go further than we've ever gone. That, that we're to, to live out obedience, if it hurts, whatever, for the glory and honor of Christ. He says, I have no doubt that you'll do that. You'll go above and beyond. Why? Because that's what the Scripture calls for us as believers. Because we understand and we know that it's not us doing it in our own power, but it's the Holy Spirit working and doing in us. So, so I don't know what that looks like in your life right now. I don't know what that means for you in your life right now. I don't know what, what kind of maybe sticky things going on or difficulty or struggle or what's happening or, or what's going on. But, but I just believe that the grace and mercy of Jesus is greater. And I believe that if you take that one step in obedience toward him, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about obedience and living out and being and showing this kind of love and grace and mercy. You take, you just start to take that step and he will grab your hand and he'll pull you the rest of the way. And he will help you be and do and accomplish whatever it is that he's calling you to in that moment. For his glory, for, for your good. So as the band comes back up, verse 22 says this, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me for I'm hoping that that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Paul says that he's hoping for that day when he gets to come back and he gets to be there, be there with him, and he gets to see what God has done in this relationship as a result of grace and mercy, as a result of forgiveness lived out. He's longing for that. He, he's, he's hoping, he's praying for that. He wants to get there. He has no doubt that Philemon will do what's right in the eyes of God. So to close, the book of Philemon, this letter reminds us that not only are we like Onesimus, but we also have different Onesimuses in our life. It's just a reminder of who we are and what Christ has saved us and rescued us from. And it reminds us that there are probably people right now in our life that maybe aggravate or agitate or have wronged or have done something, and what we're called to do is be the gospel in their life. We're called to share, we're called to care, we're called to forgive, we're called to walk with, we're called to love, we're called to go to the nth degree. And, and there's healthy, right, good ways to do that. What else we see here is that Paul shows us in Philemon what gospel love looks like. That's what gospel love is, right? That's what Christ has done for us. Laid it down, taking it for us. 
that's what he shows and models here. See, the gospel not only changes our status and makes us new, it also changes how we relate and love others. And that's what he is pleading for Philemon to do. And then the last thing here is that the story of Onesimus and Philemon is also our story. It's our story. I mean, I mean, every single one of us has had a divine appointment. Those of us who are in the family of God, who has been changed and made new, we, we have had that divine appointment where the gospel has confronted us. And God has awakened us to that. That story of Jesus transforming us from useless to useful, from a, a wandering runaway to a beloved brother and sister. So, man, what, what a letter. I mean, we, I mean, we could go another four hours if we wanted to, just looking at and tearing apart and diving into this beautiful, beautiful letter of hope, forgiveness, mercy, grace, promise, and the gospel sprinkled all throughout the love and grace of Jesus Christ, just forged within this amazing, amazing letter. 25 short verses of a brother pleading with another brother. There's this guy. I know he's wronged you. Remember the love that you've tasted and experienced of. He was this, but now he's this. Oh, would you please? And, and anything that he owes, you just put it on my account. I'll, I'll vouch for him. I'll take it. I'll do whatever I have to do. So I don't know what it looks like for you this morning in this place or what God's calling you to or what he's asking you to do. But what I want to do is I just want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I don't know if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. You've never heard the gospel maybe presented like it has been this morning. But if that's the case and that's you, man, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to be standing down here as they lead us in a time of response and worship. And Jimmy's going to be here. And we would love to have gospel conversation with you. Meaning, what does it mean to have a relationship with Christ? What does it mean to put your faith and trust in him? And we'd love to do that. Or, or if, or if you're, you're in a situation or circumstance and you're trying to learn how to forgive or trying to figure out what to do. I mean, that's what we're here for. We want to love and walk with. We're committed. That's the discipleship process. And we want to see you through in salvation, then we want to walk with you and we want to uh, pour into and we want to create a community and fellowship whereby we can be open and honest and transparent with each other and we can, we can find forgiveness, we can find encouragement, we can find accountability. We can find a number of those things. So, I mean, if that's you, we'd love to get you plugged in and we'd love to just uh, walk with you in that journey. But I want to plead with you this morning to look at that, that letter, that short letter of 25 verses. And ask God in this moment, God, what is it you want to do with me? What do you want to do in me? Because I believe with everything in me that, that this morning he has said something to hearts in this place. And he wants you to walk that out in glad obedience. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. Help us this morning to take your word and act on it in obedience. Father, I thank you so much for your mercy and grace. I thank you so much for that sweet letter of hope and encouragement, of gospel promise. Father, I just pray for the heart here this morning that's heavy, that needs you. First and foremost, as Lord and Savior, God, that you, you would give them the courage to step out in faith. Father, God, that there's no judgment, there's no looking down on, there's nothing but glad celebration, just like with baptism. Father, the heart that crosses from death to life and salvation through faith. Father, we cheer that. So, Father, if that be the case this morning, God, I pray that you give them courage to step out in faith. Father, for the heart here that's struggling this morning, God, maybe, maybe it's in line of what we've just seen in the scriptures of forgiveness or mercy or grace or living out and walking out what you've called Philemon to do there. Father God, you've called us all out to do that. So Father God, if that's the case, Lord, I pray that you would just press on their heart and give them the courage and strength to step out and forgive. God, I know that forgiveness is an everyday act of choice. 
Lord, I know it's hard and it's difficult and it doesn't just happen overnight and it takes, it takes steps and it takes walking into. Father, I just pray, God, that you would work and do like only you can. Father, I pray, I pray for an encounter this morning here in this place with your Holy Spirit as a result of the proclamation of your word. God, do work. Break hearts. Draw. Encourage. Father, this is all for you and your glory. Do whatever you see fit. This is all for you. So then we pray. Amen.